get this show on the road, gentlemen. So since the end of March, equity and bond markets have continued to slide into negative territory with the NASDAQ, the small cap indexes, and the S&P 500 all falling into officially bear market territory, which, if you didn't know, is down more than 20%. While the commodity complex, represented by oil, gas, and food commodities, has ripped higher by double digits, creating historically high inflation, putting global economies at risk of recession. Woo! It's been a while. It's been a long, long time since investors have had to maneuver such shifty stones under their feet. In fact, gentlemen, did you know most investors have never been through a bear market, let alone even maybe invested during a time of inflation or recession? So lucky, luckily for you, we've been there. We've done this. We've seen this before. And what we learned in the previous bear markets is helping us today because a lot of the same patterns are unfolding in today's markets just like they did back in 2000 and 2008. So in the next 20 to 25 minutes, what we're hoping to do is share with you what we have been doing and what we're seeing, how markets are unfolding, and the things that we've been doing for our clients that's working for them in this particular environment. And we're more importantly going to answer the biggest questions that we're hearing from people like, hey, what about interest rates? Are, are they going to the moon? Or the very famous one is, holy cow, how crazy is the stock market? I mean, how much lower can it go? And then, of course, the big question that we get to is, uh, yeah, um, hello, uh, with inflation and uh, recession around the corner, what should I do to protect my money? And Justin, Patrick, you know, the favorite one that we always get, the best and brightest, I mean, this is my favorite, which is, hey, I keep getting these emails. So, like, what about gold? I get these emails that are saying the dollar's doomed and I should buy Butterfingers, bullets, and gold bars. Should I? Well, those are the questions that we're going to answer today. So, welcome to Quiver Financial's Taming the Bear Market. I'm Colby McFadden, and as always, I'm joined with Justin Singletary, Patrick Moorhead. Gentlemen, let's jump right in and start by giving everybody a little update on where markets are year-to-date to kind of set the tone of what we think is going to happen as we go into the tail end of the year. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. You look beautiful. It's yeah. nice and shiny, it's right? Yeah. Nothing less. You guys are hot. Let me tell you, you guys are hot. And your pictures, cue balls. Yeah. 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 Well, we just replaced your bear with a Dang. scary your picture with a scary bear picture, right? It looks like we're you know a high school bear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We replaced your ugly mugs with the bear. So here's where we are year to date, guys. Um, the S and P 500 is down roughly 19, 20 percent. Uh, Nasdaq 26 percent in the in the red. Uh, corporate bonds, so a lot of the high-yield corporate bond market down 15%. And the 10-year Treasury, now that's been the thing that surprised, well, it's not so so surprising, but I think that's what is surprising people when they open their statements, is that the losses in the bond market have been extreme. Because even though we say the 10-year Treasury has gone from one5 to 3.1. That's a huge move, mm -hmm. okay? And what happens there, folks, is your treasury bonds, your government bond funds, the things you tend to go to for lower risk kind of safety, your hedge against the stock market, 
Well, when interest rates go from one and a half to three, a lot of those low-risk investments become high-risk, and they're seeing even double-digit returns. I've seen things like U.S. Franklin Income Fund down 12%, 14% at points in the year. Right. I mean, this is stuff like like 90-year-old ladies own, mm-hmm. right? I mean, talk about get your knickers in an uproar. <laughs> so, so now, and then on the other side, you have, like, the biggest disappointment. I mean, the, the biggest disappointment since all of us were in high school is gold, right? <laughs> you know, great. the big I mean, gold has done nothing, but hey, it hasn't lost your money. It's been flat. Um, and then the commodity complex, the stuff that everybody left for dead. You know, no, last year, anybody want to own gold? Oil? Remember, an oil was like twelve dollars a barrel, fifteen dollars a barrel. Yep. <laughs> when we were worried about companies going bankrupt, bankrupt right? Yep. And now. 120, 110. Uh, we're I'm hearing 180 later this well, year. Yeah, we hear these things, but <laughs> but you know, so it's ripped up almost 50 percent. Natural gas. I mean, hey, it's if if you want, we've been saying it a long time. If you want to play the electric car game, natural gas, right? And 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 I haven't even put coal up there. I mean, talk about something nobody wanted to see happen. But nonetheless, food commodities up a third, up 30 percent. So I mean, this is inflation at its best folks and 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 nobody's used to investing in these times i think we're all seeing it too in our pocketbook i mean everywhere you go we go out to eat everything's 20 bucks or north of 20 bucks you can't get anything less than spending 20 bucks for a cheeseburger yeah and the government solution is just to throw more money at it which california announced the other day they're throwing more money at it which is just going to cause more inflation so yep yeah. So what uh, what what can we expect as the year progresses? I, I don't think the inflation story goes away. Obviously, uh, cool. you know, one thing we have to remember is that you know, inflation usually is the cause of recession. Like, like, mm-hmm. like when you do your homework and you look at what happens in markets, there's never been a recessionary time that wasn't preceded by a big spike in inflation. Right. You know, right. big run up in prices is usually what causes a recession or a pullback, right? So let's get into the first question, okay? So let's, let's start with that flat part of the market. Talk about that big question that we get from people of, what about gold? I keep getting these emails, right? <laughs> I get these emails that tell me that I should buy Butterfingers and bullets and gold bars. Should I buy those things? Should I be buying gold bars? Should I buy – what's going on there? And and yes, really, butterfingers are awesome. Butterf- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in our newsletter we said, uh, "Eat the butterfingers, send the bullets to Ukraine," <laughs> and you know, you might want to consider gold because by the charts, um, and it's important. I'm grouping gold and the dollar together because they tend to have a relationship. Um, typically, when you have dollar strength. Um, commodity complexes don't do all that well during dollar strength. And you really typically see that more in the metals than anywhere else. And that's been the case. We've had a lot of dollar strength. So I know all of you getting those emails are talking about the dollar is doomed. Well, just look at the charts and you're going to see in this chart of the dollar that we're sharing is this goes back from 2019. And I can show you charts that go way back further all the way to 2008. And you'll see that while you're getting these emails, dollar strength has really been the case. Um, And what happens in financial crisis like we've had this year is typically the dollar will gain strength first. And I saw this in 08. The dollar was strong when everything was falling apart. And then in the second half, when it really became obvious that we were going into recession and the market participants started to realize, oh, the government's going to have to be accommodative, Mm -hmm. then 
the dollar got weaker and gold took off in the last half. So I'm looking at the charts and we've been in the dollar. We've been, you know, we, we, that's been a big part of our allocation. I've been looking for places to start to wean that down because I can tell by the charts we're coming into an area that we should expect the dollar to possibly pause, even possibly contract a little bit. And what's interesting with gold is that this one-year chart of gold, pay attention to the green line. Because even though we were saying earlier, gold's been the big disappointing you know, asset. It hasn't, it hasn't made anybody money when you thought it would. Yeah, Justin, you were saying this yeah. earlier, you know, you thought gold would be moving. Yeah, at this point, I mean, especially with all of the, you know, emails and different things that we get and hearing <laughs> from folks, it's like, you'd think by the way that they send out those things, gold should be at $3,000 an ounce. Yeah, yeah, you'd think. But, but not anywhere near it. No. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it, it's an interesting place because you, you've been resting on this line of support that if I show you another chart that takes you back further, it's an interesting line. I mean, you can draw this line of support all the way back to 2015, mid 2015. Um, and what I find is that when you find lines of support like this that have been existing for a while, you got to pay attention to them. Um, so I think this is a really key level for somebody who's been thinking to themselves, hey, you know what? I just hit Rite Aid. I grabbed some Butterfingers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm swinging by Grants, and I'm gonna grab the bullets, and you know, you know, maybe should I swing by the Quiver office and, and get myself some gold, some GLD. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I, I mean, here's the thing: risk reward, right? The nice thing with this is that if you have a nice fine line like we've we've drawn there, the trade is this: if you're an investor in gold, if you can handle the risk, and this is not investment advice. Always double check with your own advisor, blah, 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 blah. All right. But if you were to try something, that green line is your key. As long as gold stays above that, we may have a bullish situation where it's going to go into this final wave of growth that really started back in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, if you break below that green line, that analysis is dead. It's off, folks. You throw it away. Get out of the asset, essentially, right? So, so that's where technical analysis comes in really, really handy. And fundamentally, I think we're right at that kind of time frame where people start to realize we're sliding into recession. And as they do that, they're going to start to expect the Fed to do something. Mm -hmm. You know, so all this rising of interest rates and tightening of money policy could shift or change. Not today, not tomorrow, but it's something that I think the market's going to be looking for. Well, and I think it's fair to point out, you know, from the top of 2008 till now, you know, gold still made, you know, a 5 6% kind of return. It's, it's been, been respectable. Flat year. This, yeah. So if you got a time horizon and you were to do it, I mean, it's not a total dog or dead weight, but it's just not might not have the return potential of the stock market. So Sure. Sure. I, as, as an individual <clears throat> who can afford to have – um, an asset not go anywhere, not a big deal. As right. professionals, where we're always looking at relative performance, should I have it here or there, it, yeah. it does make a difference. And I will tell you right now, our particular models are sniffing out more of an opportunity of, of, of adding it to the position yeah. um, because we've had our smallest allocation in gold that we've had for, for a good two years. So it's just interesting that maybe um, it stops being a disappointment. <laughs>
Let's hope so. Yeah. My parents are still hoping for that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can see on there. I mean, I know Patrick said from 2008 to now, but even if you were, let's say you purchased in 2013, you you had no no growth, no nothing for close to 10 years. Yeah, it depends. Time time. frame, but, you know. There's buy and hold, and then there's strategy and tactics. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're going to be a buy and holder, the risk you run is sometimes it becomes dead money. For a um, long time. Yeah. So that there's, you know, different strategies. So so let's uh, move from there because, you know, while, while the dollar and gold look like they could be switching batons here in the near future, something to be aware of, um, I think the thing that's really affecting portfolios the most this year is this move in interest rates because everybody's asking us, you know, how much further can they go? I mean, one, one and a half all the way up to three, you've doubled the 10-year. You know, the mm-hmm. 10-year treasury has doubled um, – and when you get these parabolic moves, what what should we expect is, is everybody's question. So I like to go to the charts. Um, and, and the one thing that I know about interest rates is that interest rates tend to trade in a range for long periods of time. Um, that they, they tend to really trade in a range as we're figuring out where their true economy lies. So if you look at this chart here that goes back to 2013 of the 10-year Treasury, you can see that even though there's been a lot of hype around interest rates rising, we're really just at the same spot we were back in 2013, not much higher. So we've been trading sideways, and, and for, from 2013 to 2019, for six years, we basically traded between one and a half and three, just like we did recently. The difference is this happened fast, yeah. right? It happened really fast. Um, I counted out, it does look like you got five waves up, usually at, on the fifth wave, you're going to expect the move is coming towards an end. That fifth wave does look extended. And the one thing about extended fifth waves is they can snap back to the point of origin a lot faster than you'd imagine. So nobody's talking about this right now. Everybody's anticipating higher rates, higher rates, higher rates. That's what everybody's talking about. But after the move of being so parabolic, I'm a little curious to see what happens over the next couple months is do we get some kind of at least a pause, if not some kind of retraction back? Um, Because it's hard to believe that it's going to keep extending Um, over the longer term too. the Fed usually tightens or raises rates prior to the recession and then brings those rates back down, which will have an effect over the longer term too for that. So yeah, you bring up a good point is, is the fed, they tend to overshoot. Yeah. Right. They tend to start to raise rates a little too late is what we've seen. And they go a little too aggressive too late and then they have to wheel it back. Yeah. So that's the big question that people have right now is, is, is the federal reserve going to change their tune? Are they going to become the Paul Volcker? You know, are they are they going to really raise rates and stomp it out or are they just going to do what I would I think most people expect is you go back to your past behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, the moment that your children start crying, don't you (laughs) just give them something to pacify them? Right. Here's your iPhone. Sit down. Be quiet. Right. Um, So I think markets are the children. And the moment the markets get low enough, um, you know, or, or you start to put damage in housing. Then things start to change. Yeah, I think, a little retraction come yeah. back at that way. Yeah, this chart's interesting because it goes all the way back to 2007, longer time frame. And you can see this channel that we've been in. It's been a downward sloping channel. So maybe maybe the history in front of us is that rates start to bottom out here, you know, longer term. And, and the future is we trade between one and a half and three. And then if the economy starts to grow, 
maybe we start to trade above 3%. Um, so that's, that's what I'm thinking happens next. So what you would do as an investor in this particular situation is if you're looking at your portfolio and you're seeing that your bonds took a big hit in the last couple months, you may not want to panic yet. You may want to you know, sit down and, and think strategically about how do you create recovery. Um, because sometimes creating a recovery is a contrarian approach than what your emotional feelings are. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add on interest rates or you know the effects of anything that? Not on rates. No. Any questions anybody's asked you guys about it? Just the same ones if, we kind of covered. Are they if going we high? were to keep going, how much further? Well, so so right. It's a great question I, because because I, I gave the downside right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know by by looking at the chart four percent like seems like that number That's, like like if the market want i think if the market wanted to create the biggest surprise it do one of two things and that's what markets love to do you know the mar the goal of the market is to create maximum frustration to the maximum number of people so if it wanted to do that then it would either do one of two things just explode up to 4% Right, and that probably would tank equities a little I was bit more. Say, <laughs> equities yeah. would just be like, especially the Nasdaq, would just be like, ah, shit, <laughs> bye bye. Yeah, you know, like ah, you know, Kathy Wood would just be, you know, finished. Yeah, be whacking herself <laughs> with wood. Um, so, so, um, or you reverse here and you quickly go back towards two percent, like in a, a big surprise, mm, yeah. like like you just get a huge rally. Uh, the 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 one concern I have with the whole huge rally thing is I do believe there's a geopolitical thing going on here is I, I i do think a big part of the raise in rates this year has been china and russia and some of our essential in enemies selling into that market right because you have to remember like china the people run in china i mean they, they spent many years in communes reading one book you know studying marxism studying you know guerrilla warfare and in guerrilla warfare you know it tells you if inflation is a problem close your ports jack inflation up and then and then open them back up it, it when energy prices are high and flooded again right <laughs> so it, same thing in interest rates guerrilla warfare would be hey if your enemy is already seeing higher interest rates keep selling your bonds to push rates higher you know right. to, and and there's a lot of financial warfare that happens between us and them that a lot of people aren't aware of and sure. i do think that's a big big factor i agree you know the thing that is though it's hard we we got big bazookas you know we got we we in the us we have big guns to be able to buy our own debt we've seen that you know, and if you're going to buy any debt, why not buy ours? Right. You know, so. All right. And that that's really, you know, a lot of this is fueling that same geopolitical situations, fueling the big question that we're getting, which is, holy shit, how high can oil go? How high can gas prices go? I mean, six bucks, eight bucks. I People are talking about, well, we see nine, ten dollar gas, you know, and we talked about before. China was halfway closed down for a while. Now they're opening up, you know, with the demand from China. Shouldn't we expect more pull on commodities? And yeah. and and I'm really torn here because because oil and gas have had a hell of a run. I mean, the run's pretty long in the tooth. And there's been a lot of Johnny come lately's that have come in saying predicting higher oil and two hundred dollar a barrel prices and yep. stuff like that. And and I remember in '07. When Goldman Sachs came out and they gave their you know peak oil thesis that oh it's going to two hundred dollars a barrel right and it was like one hundred and ten <laughs> at the time and then we found out that right after they released that that 
that paper that you know they're selling their oil into the market. You know, they're just unloading it. You know, <laughs> hey, it's it's going to be two hundred. Here, take it at one ten. Right. You know? So, so, so you know, with commodities, they move fast, right? And and when I look at the charts, the charts, especially from the COVID bottom, what a hell of a run. Yeah. I mean, holy cow. Um, so you know, you, you've got to be anytime you have something that runs like this. If you're going to enter in late, you better know your risk management. Now, we talk about this because we've been in this for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, So we're playing with profits. Um, so I'm going to talk from two sides is that if you have profits like we do, we've got a lot of wiggle room here. But if you're somebody who's entered into the oil or gas market recently or are trying to, you got to be very careful when we're at the because because a, a, a change in trend could happen at any moment. I think we've started to see a little bit of it, and I don't know if that's long term as it is short term. And by that, I mean contraction. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'll, I'll point out, I don't know if we can see it up here, but um, so that that line where we say is the super uber bullish line, the, the dark <laughs> green one. So this week we did breach that a little bit. Yeah. We whipsawed below it, and then yep. we came back above it. That's really your short-term tell. Like if if if, go, if oil is going to stay in this uber bullish move, it probably should not sustain trade below that. So that that would be my first big trend changer. Like right now, it's threatened. Um, it's definitely on a high alert. But until you get sustained trade below that that uber bullish line. Um, then, then the trend's not broken quite yet. And the scary part is, is that the longer term trend line, the more intermediate one, you know, like a year to three years out, that, that trend line's all the way down at a hundred bucks. So you could drop, you know, 10% and still be in a bullish pattern. Right. Yep. So if you're new, if you're new to oil, just realize you might have to take on a lot of volatility before you get positive. Um, so I just would play small at this stage well and be careful of the talking heads because they're up back again bullish oh the oil. talking heads yeah. are back yeah. again bullish mm -hmm. yeah. like they're, cnbc right oh yeah. wow yeah, you're uh, a, a name yeah a name we shall not mention <laughs> or, or we oh, are gonna mention <laughs> i don't think i get that channel <laughs> until they call me and want to do an interview then i'll hear that channel um <laughs> so so now the big story though is is now oil you know, sure, it drives your gas prices, right? So a lot of people are like, what can I do? What can I do with all these oil prices? Well, I mean, the obvious thing is if you have if you have the risk tolerance and the ability to, um, you know, own the oil stocks. Yeah, uh, you know, at least you get a little dividend. You get a little something back. My best mentor told me a long I, I was probably five days in the job, and he said, Colby, you want to know how to make money? find whatever company is screwing you and invest in them. <laughs> right? And I was like, mom, it sounds like a good point. And so, yeah, okay. So, you know, if oil and gas companies are screwing you, invest. In them, yep, right? yep. So the big story, though, for people that like was left for dead is natural gas. I mean, here is a chart of natural gas from 2013. And if I showed you back further, I mean, this thing was just 10 years of nothing but declines and losses and declines and losses. Uh, we had so much natural gas. Yeah. Right? And now um, it looks like it's on a new secular trend. Now, secular is long term, meaning that, that more than just a couple weeks or a month. Um, so we drew this channel here because if this is a secular bullish trend where natural gas makes lower high, 
higher low <laughs> makes higher lows and higher highs right, yep. right keeps going from the lower left to the higher right then we want to have it stay within that green channel you break below that green channel the pattern's dead you break above that green channel things are getting a little too euphoric you might want to consider taking profits but that channel's now been there for almost a year and a half two years so it it, it looks like we're on a trend for natural gas and there again if we're going to electrify everything cars yeah. boats trains people Export whatever to europe yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> if everything's going electrical then we got to power that somehow and you know wind and solar ain't going to do it yet no so natural gas obviously is is the is the winner plus again global things going on with russia and china and everybody else yeah there's been a lot more plants being turned back on natural gas plants yeah you know i know that there's been some rhetoric with other things but there has been at least here in california I think we've turned on an additional five, five or six natural gas because of all of the influx of energy that everybody's been needing. And now we're getting into the summer months. So they're telling us we can't drink our water. And <laughs> we got to turn off our EC because we can't handle the energy. Well, it's, it's a crazy concept because, I mean, like we, we've talked about nuclear before. And I read, yeah. I, I, I saw a comment from a very bright guy talking about France that they went from 90% nuclear, they're down to 60 in that process, because they took on, in order to meet their EU mandates, they took on wind and solar. But in order to produce energy from the wind and solar, it has to transmit through a coal plant. So they had then to fire up a bunch of coal plants, right? Real smart, right? So how, how green and efficient is all these guys being, right? Right. So there again, it's like everybody who's playing the whole green thing, the ESG thing, I'm telling you right now, the biggest benefactors are going to be the energy companies because they got the money. They're just going to wait for all these ESG and green people and wait for the venture capital guys to blow their dough. And then they're just going to come in and acquire everything at cheaper prices. Right. And you're still going to be dealing with Exxon and Chevron and all these other things. But along the way, everybody's going to be like, oh, I'm doing my part. <laughs> I got my Tesla. <laughs> so whatever. Well, and I think people forget that natural gas comes from the drilling and production of getting oil out of the ground. So, I mean, you can't have one without the other, really. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's one aspect. There's other ways to do it, but it's. I love it's the environment. I love the environment, but it's just, you know, don't 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 give me a sham on one thing to convince me of another. Right. And it's like let's just be legit. We're too smart. The yep. internet's too strong, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap it up with what everybody really wants to talk about, which is the Marsha 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 of the family, the stock market. So, how much further is the stock market going to fall? And when will the decline end? Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, we've been pretty dead on on our charts, right? I mean, we, we we've really should pat ourselves on the back, but not get too cocky. Um, so what looks like is, is in this, this intermediate time frame pattern that we we're showing here, and this is the last year of the S&P 500. Um, we've had other charts. I'll show you in another slide in a second. But right now, it looks like we're working off this big working off of a, a high that lasted for 10 years mm -hmm. and now we're into this first mega wave of a bear market so i'm expecting it to go five waves down um we've done three i think we get a little bit of a rally in the near term maybe through the fourth of july um and then i think after that we may get a new low so that's that's what we're anticipating here um within these charts and the reason that we're feeling that way is because 
when I pull the chart out and I look a little bit longer, um, there's a lot of chart confluence around 2,800 to 3,000, you know, 35, basically between 3,000 and 3,500. There's a lot of areas where the charts, long-term, short-term, intermediate, really collide. And, I, and I've just found that when you find those areas, that sometimes those are a good target. For, you know, they seem to be an attractor there. So I don't think the overall downside in the in the market is over yet, um, but I do think we've worked we've done at least three quarters of the way. We've done a lot Some of the most of the damage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you're short the market, the easy money's probably been made. Yeah. Now it becomes a little more difficult. Yeah. Um, and and if you're somebody who's been sitting on the sidelines waiting to buy the dip, then okay. Um, you might be coming into a time frame where you could start to consider that, but I would highly suggest there's there's a very big risk that this is a huge bear market, much bigger bear market than people are talking about. So if you are a buy the dipper, I would highly suggest that you do it in very, very small increments, what we call position sizing. Yep. Start small, um, leave yourself a lot of extra cash. Bear markets, you do not want to take on too much risk too soon. Um, because a lot of things are still at very high valuations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we've reached max pain yet. Yeah, well, I mean, these charts here, and, and everybody can visit them on our blog, and, and I highly, highly suggest that you visit our blog and take a look at what we've done in the past, because it really kind of shows you that, that we just don't make this stuff up. I mean, like, like, you can go back over the last three, four months and see what we charted out, and and you know it's not like it's not like the it's not like the lines are there and then we put the numbers mm -hmm. right it, you know so so we've really you know broken this down and and we do feel that that there's more downside there so I think you know position sizing is a big thing there yeah. and even though we feel there's more downside and we've said it in other videos you know we we position it so that we're nimble enough that we, if the charts tell us something different. You know, after we've been in there, we can adapt and, yeah. and change. Yeah, and pivot, that's, yeah. that's why we use five asset classes, right? You know, that's why we look at stocks. We look at bonds. We look at real estate. We look at alternatives. We yeah. look at commodities. All those are elements that need to be within the portfolio right. because if the stock market ain't doing it, no big deal. Just go to something else. Yep. Yeah. It's not that, you know. And that's They're the not the only game in town, well, as Jim Cramer loves to say. <laughs> well, well, I mean, hey, a, lot, a lot of people have 60, 40 portfolios, and, and they're never going to change from that um, because, you know, their advice isn't going to change from that. Right. And and if, if you did that in the 70s, you would have never made any money. And so this is one of those times that investors have to step back and ask themselves, Am I in the 90s? Am I in the 2000s? Am I in am, am I in a time frame where interest rates are just going lower and money's freer and freer and, and valuations can keep going higher? Or am I in a new phase where, where equities may not be the wealth builders? They could be the wealth destructors and things like commodities and, and other alternatives become the place that you have to turn to to make your portfolio work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, Facebook's down 70-some percent. It's a big percentage. I don't 80, know what it yeah, finished up today, yeah. but yeah, 70, 80 percent. A lot um, of big names. You know, NVIDIA, um, Google, Tesla. I mean, they, they've all been whacked pretty good. Yeah. So... All right, Be well, prepared, folks. Yeah, I would say this. Let's wrap it up. And if you want to stay up to date on the market trends as well as different ways that you can keep your investment portfolio optimized for bull or bear markets, 
then visit the Quiver Financial blog site and subscribe to receive our newsletters. The market minutes from the boardroom. You're going to love it. it we, 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 we do all kinds of fun stuff in there. So until next time, take care, folks. <laughs>